You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. So pop quiz. All right, we're going to test your familiarity with a popular story. And for those of you joining us digitally, I want to see your responses in the chat or in the comments. Those of you gathered here in person, when I invite you to, I want you to shout out your answers. All right, so here's our question. In our faith's creation story, what is our creator's first ever expectation for mankind? Or let me ask it this way. What is the first command that God gave to humans? Go ahead and... Put your response in the chat or in the comments, and y'all out here, let me hear. Go ahead, shout out what you think the answer is. All right. All right. So our creator, our heavenly father, when he created man in his image, in the way that you and I might look at our children and our grandchildren, he looked at his creation, his image bearers with adoration and with affection, and he blessed them. And then his very first words Out of all the words he could have chosen were his desires and his intentions for our lives. God essentially said, look, I expect that you all would live lives that are filled with peace and passion and promise about your future, that you would live lives that are filled with delight that pours over into other people so they can experience it. You know, God's expectation, his first ever command is recorded this way. He said, be what? Be filled with passion and peace and delight. Be fruitful. Somebody needs to receive that word today. Our Father, you were created to experience a life that is a delight to you and to others around you. So I want you guys to internalize this really quickly. It's on the screens. Those of you listening to the podcast, listen intently. God wants you to be fruitful. Would you say that to yourself? God wants us to be fruitful. Now, Here's what I know, because I chat with so many of you. I read your prayer requests. I know that many of you don't feel as if you're living up to God's original intent for our lives. In fact, last week, many of you wrote out exactly what in your life right now you are hoping God would intervene and change. So here's what some of you guys shared. You said, man, I just feel so alone right now. My relationship, my marriage, it's in shambles, and I just want to feel wanted and worthy of love. Others of you said, man, I'm just feeling crushed by the weight of my enormous debt or by the weight of what's going on in the economy right now and my lack of resources. And God, come on, just throw me a bone. All I want is a living wage. And even though for six weeks we unpacked what our pure and authentic reason for being created was our brutal purpose. Many of you said, I still feel directionless. I am still having no clarity about my future, and I'm frustrated that I don't know what the heck that I want to do. I feel stuck in a job that I hate, and it makes no difference in the world, and I just want to feel like I'm making a contribution and that my life has some sort of significance or meaning. Others of you said, I'm sick and tired of feeling anxious and afraid and apathetic. And all I want is some real tangible evidence that God actually exists. And I want to experience a sense 
of peace, and I'm tired of all this drama that's going on in our world, and I want to feel a little bit of passion that I haven't felt since I was a child. And still others said, I am just disappointed, and I am disgusted that my addictions still have such a power over me, and I just want to finally be free of what has me enslaved. And so you know what essentially we're all saying is, what every single one of us, what the majority of us here in this tribe are saying is like, right now, I don't feel filled with fulfillment. I don't feel as if I'm experiencing any peace or promise this original intent for my life. I am not being fruitful. And let me say, I mean, you're not alone in that. And I totally understand the frustration that many of you are feeling right now. I have been there. I've been in those seasons. I know that it's deflating. I know that it's discouraging, man. My heart breaks for you. I am with you in this. And man, I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of years in particular that I've just wanted to throw in the towel and say, dude, I am out. I'm moving to New Zealand. Or how many times I've just thrown my hands up in the air and be like, dude, Jesus, come and take us already. Where are you at, man? So the question for us is, how might we begin to experience what God originally intended for our lives? How can we enter onto a path where we might one day begin to produce peace and passion and have a promise about our futures? How might we become fruitful? And that's what we're going to explore over the next several weeks in this series that we're calling Fruitful. And so before we jump into today's teaching, as always, let's pray and ask God to help us as we begin this several-week journey together. Father, as always, we submit this time to you. We ask that you would just drown out any distractions, that you would help us be attentive to your still, small voice. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening for you. And as for me, God, as always, I just pray that the words out of my mouth would be an accurate depiction of who you are and your love for your children. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what might we do to begin to experience a life that we delight in and that the people around us delight in? Like, What might we do to begin to one day produce peace and passion, to produce fruit in our lives? Well, the answer to those questions, it requires that you and I, we first together get a handle on a particular phrase that I'm going to use throughout our conversation today. It's a phrase critical to our time. And that phrase is comprised of two words, and it's this, the word or the word of God. Now, Normally, when you hear that phrase, the word or the word of God in church cultures, what normally comes to mind? The Bible, right? The collection of recorded scriptures that have been put together and bound and distributed that we call the Bible. For example, perhaps somebody has tried to encourage you on your journey and they've asked you if you've been reading your Bible. They say, hey, have you been in the word lately? You need to get into the word. And nothing inherently wrong with that at all. But for the sake of our conversation today, whenever you hear me say those two words, that phrase, the word or the word of God, I don't want you to think the collection of the scriptures that we call the Bible. What I instead want you to think is what Jesus's earliest followers thought when they heard that phrase, 
the word. So let me explain. There is a certain branch of theology which studies Jesus's first disciples and his earliest followers. It is known as patristics, right? the study of the fathers. And what's fascinating about patristics studying these early Jesus followers is that they lived way before what we have as the Bible was even completed, right? Long before the scriptures had been collected and bound and were able to become widely distributed. And so what they understood about Jesus's teachings, it would have come either directly from Jesus or directly from Jesus's disciples, right? So Jesus's earliest followers were disciples of the disciples. And so theoretically, right, this is kind of the philosophy of patristics. Theoretically, these early Jesus followers, well, they would have had a purer understanding of what Jesus originally meant and what he taught, right? Their thinking, their understanding of Jesus's truths would have not been perverted by, like, for us, 2,000 years of other philosophies and ideologies. It was theoretically because they got it closer to the source, right? And what patristic scholars are becoming more and more clear about is that when Jesus's earliest followers said or heard that phrase that we're using today, the word or the word of God, they did not mean the collection of scriptures that we refer to as the Bible. No, by and large, decidedly and consistently, Jesus' earliest followers used that phrase, the word or the word of God, to reference, can you guess? Jesus. That's right. The person of Jesus, or in our day and age, his spirit that can indwell us, right? And his teachings. So let me give you an example, right? The author of the letter to the Hebrews that's been collected for us in our Bibles, he referred to the person of Jesus and Jesus' indwelling spirit in this way. He said, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. Surely many of you have heard that in reference to this, right? The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. But he continued. He said, no creature is hidden from, what's that next word? Him. Huh. See, the earliest Jesus followers. When we look at patristics, we understand that this phrase, the word, was in reference to the person of Jesus. So today in particular, in the way that the Hebrews author and Jesus's own friend and disciple, John, used that phrase, the word, and in the way that Jesus's follower, Paul, and the early church fathers used that phrase, the word. Today, when you hear me say the word, I want you to think the person of Jesus, all right, or the spirit of Jesus that indwells us in his truths, all right, not the Bible. Clear? All right, if you understand, go ahead and say word. Word. All right. So to understand why I spent so much time making sure that we are on the exact same page today about this phrase, the word that you're going to hear throughout our conversation, I want you to right now consider. Consider a, a novel, for example, a book that is so captivating you cannot put it down. Maybe there's been a book in your life that's been like that for you. Or I want you to consider a movie that you feel is so engaging that you are enthralled in it, right? You can quote it. You sometimes rehearse the scenes and act out the scenes. It's a movie that you go back to over and over and over. Let me give you an example of one of those things that happened for me. So recently, my family and I saw what's currently the number one movie in the United States, 
Top Gun Maverick. Anybody seen it? Yeah, oh, we got some claps going on over here. Top Gun Maverick. What'd y'all think? Those of you who saw it. Not too shabby, right? I got a thumbs up. Well, to be honest with you, originally I had zero intention on seeing this movie. Right? Not in my plans, wasn't on my radar, but the only reason I went, my dad, former military, he wanted to see this thing, and I want to spend time with my dad. So we went, and I had so low expectations. However, in that opening scene, when I saw in the sea this aircraft carrier, and on that aircraft carrier all these fighter jets that were preparing to take off, and then I heard that very epic thematic song from the 1980s. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Revving up your engine, listening to a howling roar. Come on. Y'all know this, right? Highway to the danger zone. Oh my gosh. I got hype. Yo, that I was like, okay, I'm in, right? And immediately in my mind, I was transported back in time to my childhood as an Air Force brat, living on these military installations and fantasizing about one day being in special forces or being a pilot. And as the movie's plot progressed, and we got to journey with the characters and the pilots, I couldn't help but think about my high school classmates who had trained at the Air Force Academy and who themselves had become pilots. And I began to wonder about the missiles that they fired and the bombs that they had dropped and the friends that they had lost and the guilt that they might have felt for the lives that they had taken or the PTSD that they might be suffering from and how it's affecting their life today. And then I began to consider what their spouses and their children surely would have felt the immense fear that they would have felt every time daddy had to deploy on some secret mission. And as the plot intensified, I began to wonder and ask myself certain questions like, man, Lee, I mean, do you have what it takes? <laughs> you know, what would you do in that scenario? And Lee, do you have the instincts? And Lee, do you have the courage to be able to fight for your life in the way that some of these characters did? And I promise you, no spoilers here, but there was a scene that was so emotional in the movie that I looked to my right over at my wife and flowing out from her eyes were like rivers of tears. And then immediately after the credits rolled and we walked to the car and we drove home and that whole evening over food, my family just repeatedly in awe kept saying, dude, that was so good. It was so good. Y'all think the same, those of you who saw it? It was pretty good, right? Now, why? Why were we so moved? I mean, what happens in these books that captivate you that you can't put them down? What happens in these movies that are so enthralling that you see yourself in them and you become introspective and you become reflective? And then some of you are thinking, what does any of this have to do with the word of God that is Jesus and us being fruitful? I'm going to answer that. Here's what this has to do with us being fruitful. Whenever you and I hear or see stories, like Maverick, for example, our brains, so beautifully designed, they automatically begin to release neurochemicals that are associated with our memory and with our motivation. So the way that we have been beautifully designed, our brains is such that stories can influence what we believe and how we behave. Let me break this down for you guys a little bit more. So whenever you're immersed in a story, this novel you cannot put down, this movie that is so enthralling, your brain actually enjoys attempting to predict what's going to happen next. And so it automatically releases for you this neurochemical dopamine in order that you like lean in a little bit more 
You remain curious and you stay engaged. And as you stay engaged, what happens is you begin to do what I did in the movie. And you begin to ask questions like, who, what would I do in that scenario? You know, if I was that character, what would my next step be? And as you ask those questions, you begin to make connections, right? And you begin to empathize. And so your brain releases oxytocin so that you can feel what the character in those stories are feeling. And as you do this, you begin to examine your own beliefs and then you gain new perspectives and you have a broader understanding of the world and humanity and your imagination. What happens is it becomes activated in order for you to begin to practice or to rehearse what you might do in real life if that scenario ever happened with you. Right? So then cortisol releases to help your motor memory so that in the event that you are faced with a similar situation, your brain says, hey, wait a second. Alert, alert. Guess what? We've experienced this before in some capacity. We've felt these feelings before. We have an idea of what we can do and how to respond to this scenario. Now, here's my point with all of this. Okay, your brain and my brain were so intricately and beautifully designed such that if we engage here, hear me here. If we engage with the right stories, we will live better lives. If we engage with the right stories, we can live better lives. I like how Princeton University neuroscientist Yuri Hassan explained the impact of stories on us. He said, a story is the only way to activate parts in the brain so that a listener turns the story into their own idea and experience. And y'all, parents, if you want to teach your kiddos something, teachers, if you want to teach your students something, we've got to tell better stories. And y'all, this is one of the reasons why. The word of God, Jesus, became flesh. You see, God wanted you and he wanted me to have a model to imitate a story from which we can learn, right? It's why Jesus, the word, always taught with a story. The scriptures say that Jesus never taught without one, that he always taught with a story. And whether instinctively or whether spirit inspired Jesus' earliest followers, his uh, disciples of the disciples, the early church fathers, they knew that if you and I were to ever experience the life that is filled with peace and passion and promise about our future, the life intended for us, then we needed to know the greatest story ever lived. They knew that if there was ever any hope for you and me to enjoy our father's intent and desire for our lives, we needed to know the word of God made flesh, the stories that he told and his story in general. And for this reason, guys, in a day and in an age when there existed no laptops and laser jet printers and the printing press had yet to be invented, in a day and an age where there were no office maxes or office depots, and it was incredibly difficult to acquire writing materials and expensive to even do so, such that there were very few authors in that day, a man named Luke said that there are countless people who felt compelled to write out this story about Jesus. The word made flesh. Luke wrote it this way. He said, many have undertaken to compile this story of the word of God, a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as Jesus, the words, original eyewitnesses and servants handed them down to us. And just a little sidebar comment right here, further evidence that the early church fathers, Jesus's earliest disciples, they used the phrase, the word to reference 
the person, right? It's hard to be a servant or an eyewitness of a scroll of words, right? They were servants and eyewitnesses of a person, but he continued, right? Luke went on to say, look, having conducted my own interviews with all of these eyewitnesses, I too have become convinced that you need to know Jesus' story so you can experience that peace and that passion intended for you. He said, so it also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very beginning, from the first, to write to you in this story format, right? In an orderly sequence so that you may know, check this, the certainty of the things about which you've been instructed so that you would embrace the story of Jesus and his stories, these teachings, so you can become fruitful. Y'all, if we are to ever become fruitful, we have to immerse ourselves in Jesus as the word of God made flesh's story. And here's what I'm not saying, okay? I'm not saying merely memorize and be able to regurgitate scriptures. Okay? Nothing inherently wrong with that. But what I am saying is, in the way that I was immersed in Maverick, that you get immersed in your favorite movies or novels, we have to immerse ourselves in the story of Jesus. Reflect on the word of God made flesh. And like I did, ask questions. You've got to ask questions as well. What would I do in this scenario? Why would this character, Jesus, the main character, do this? And we got to empathize and connect with him. It's how our brains are going to help us transform into new people who might one day get a little grape, a little fruit. I mean, think about this, okay? How wrong could our lives actually go if we pattern them and imitate the one who perfectly lived? Well, let me ask it this way. How right might our lives actually go if we pattern our lives upon the one, the only one, who's ever perfectly lived? You feel me? You following me? And so, when you are feeling unwanted or unworthy of love, y'all consider how Jesus taught about who you are and your value. Consider how he even interacted with his own enemies and know how much you're loved. You've got to immerse yourself in the word made flesh's story. When you're stressed and overwhelmed because of the economy, because of your finances or lack of them, consider how Jesus viewed material possessions in this material world and let his perspective, his eternal perspective, challenge you. When you're frustrated, you have no clarity about your future. Man, immerse yourself in Jesus's story. Consider how he dealt with his own frustrations and how he acquired clarity and how he began to fix his mind on certain things. What were those things he fixated on? And when you have no idea what to make of cultural issues and hot button topics, immerse yourself in Jesus's story and the stories that he told and consider what he was passionate about, what he spoke to and imitate what he's done. And I love how the early church father, John Chrysostom, expressed the significance of immersing ourselves in the word of God made flesh's story and the stories that he told. He wrote, he said, listen carefully to me. At least if there's anything you're going to do, let's say you're relatively new to exploring faith, you're what we call a spiritual investigator. He said, at least get a copy of those stories that tell about the word made flesh. He said the New Testament, the apostles, epistles, the acts, the gospels to be your constant teachers. And y'all don't simply dive into them, swim in them, keep them constantly in your mind because the cause of all evils, the reason people aren't experiencing the life intended 
for them is a failure to know. The word of God made flesh these scriptures well, the ones that tell of him. And I know some of y'all might be thinking like, dude, come on. <laughs> Lee, what you're saying is baloney. You see, I, Lee, I grew up in a church going home. And Lee, I completed my catechism classes. And Lee, I, I've seen every year around Easter, the passion of the Christ. And I have series binge that show the chosen. And so I know the word of God. Yet my life is still a mess. So what might I be missing? Why don't I feel right now that I am fruitful? The answer to those questions, Jesus responded with a story of his own. And the story that Jesus told, it helps us evaluate why right now in this season, some of us might not yet be experiencing what we're calling a fruitful life, a life of delight, joy, and peace. And the story that Jesus told, well, he spoke to an audience in the first century that was largely an agrarian society, right? So they were farmers. They grew their own food, which his story would have landed a little bit differently for them than for us today, 2,000 years later, who get our food at grocery stores like HEB, or we have access to Whataburger, right? We just pull up to a drive-thru, get the number one or something like that. And for those of us who've never stepped foot on a farm. And so to help us get a handle on what Jesus was trying to communicate and to make sure that we are able to evaluate our lives according to his story, evaluate why right now we might not feel fruitful, I'm going to share with you a modernized rendition of Jesus's story. And I need you guys to play along, okay? I need your participation in this. So as I share my modernized rendition of Jesus's story, what I want you to do is I want you to consider where in your faith journey you might be. Like, I want you to consider which of the scenarios that Jesus communicates might describe where you currently are right now in your faith journey. So here's my rendition. Ready? Yes? Okay, wake up the person next to you. Here we go. So suppose there is an active military, or I'm sorry, an active social media user, right? And this person uses Facebook and YouTube, and one day they have this like light bulb moment. Ding! You know what? Over the years in my life, I have acquired a particular set of skills and wisdom that I believe have helped me experience peace. And I believe have helped me remain passionate at this point in my life. And so you know what I want to do? I want to help people improve their own well-being. And I want people to learn from what I have learned. And maybe it will unlock their potential. So you know what I'm going to do? I am going to take all of this knowledge and I'm going to create some digital products for people. I'm going to give them access to my presence digitally, right? They can schedule one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions with me, and I'm going to create eBooks, and I'm going to do all these YouTube videos about what I've learned, and I'm going to make some TikToks and some Instagram reels and all that stuff. And so let's pause right there. All right, let's exit my rendition, and let's go into Jesus's rendition. This YouTuber in our story, Jesus said, was a farmer, a very common role in the first century, a sower. And what Jesus meant by that was that it represents our heavenly father. And these digital products, right? The one-on-one -on -one counseling, this digital presence, the access that people can have, Jesus said was like the seed. And in his story, the seed represented the word of God, or as we've talked about today, the word of God represents Jesus, the person Jesus, and now his indwelling spirit, right? So 
back into my rendition here. Now, one market that this YouTuber was trying to break into happened to be a country whose government controlled pretty much whatever people could access and what people trusted and what they believed. And so the citizens in this very controlled country, many of them out of either fear for their government and how they would respond or out of reverence for them, they decided to flag this YouTuber's content as fake news. And then the vast majority of the other residents in this country, well, what they said, well, they never even got access to it. So they had no idea that this free help was out there. Now pause. Because what in Jesus' story this was is a seed that got trampled and devoured. And Jesus said this represents people whose cultural context, maybe their religious leaders, maybe their government influences, their cultural context and behind the scenes, you know, the devil and the kingdom of darkness is keeping them from hearing the truth about who Jesus is. And so pause right here, all right? This is the reflective time to consider for us. Let me ask you this, all right? Is it possible? And there's no judgment here at all. We're just evaluating our faith journey. Is it possible? A part of the reason you don't yet feel fruitful is because cultural context your social influences, maybe the government in which you grew up in, another country or something like that, if they have hijacked what you believe about who Jesus is, is it possible? Perhaps that's not why you're bearing fruit. Now, back to our rendition. So there was another people group who actually really liked this YouTuber's content. His videos went viral, views skyrocketed, and all these people started to share it, and all these people were subscribing to the YouTuber's channel. However, when push came to shove, and they began to realize what was being prescribed of them in order for them to experience peace, that there was going to be some sort of lifestyle changes, well, this people group, they said, whoa, maybe, you know, we just want to be entertained. Like, we prefer the comfort of the lives that we already know. Still, there was another people group very similarly, loved the teachings of this YouTuber and started to ingest them. However, they were using them for their own personal profit and their own gain. They wanted to pad their pockets. And so what they did was they took this YouTuber's content and eBooks. And what they started to do was rebrand them and repackage them to make them look super trendy. And then they started to charge people exuberant amounts of money for them. They cared only about themselves. Now pause. Right, This first group who enjoyed the coaching but returned to what was comfortable, Jesus said, are like seeds on a rock that withered away. And he said that this represented people who like the idea of Jesus. They really love his teachings and what he offers. But when they enter into trials, they abandon his teachings. Or when they're confronted with a change of lifestyle, they're like, ah, maybe this isn't for me. So let me ask you. Again, no judgment. We're just evaluating where we are in our faith journey. Is it possible? Part of the reason you're not feeling fruitful right now is that you just want a wave the magic wand kind of Jesus. A give me what I want right now kind of Jesus. And what you don't really want is his will or his way in your life. Now that second group, the ones who leveraged the YouTubers coaching and digital products for their own profit, Jesus said, are like seeds among thorns. And it's people who believe Jesus is God. They entertain what he has to say. They think it's very 
powerful and impactful, but they are more concerned with the pleasures of this life. They are more concerned with their own personal gain and profit in this material world. Jesus said that these are people who are choked out by this life. And so, again, no judgment, but let's evaluate where we are in our faith journey. Is it possible one of the reasons you're not currently feeling fruitful is because you see Jesus as merely a means to grow your wealth, improve your status. Now, there was one final community in our rendition here, and this community welcomed access to this YouTuber and a relationship with this YouTuber, all the knowledge and wisdom that was being freely given. They adopted this YouTuber's teachings and they embraced the lifestyle that he modeled and like the YouTuber freely gave away all that he had. They too imitated that and they began to give away what they had received to their communities, to their workplaces, into their households and more and more people began to experience peace and promise and passion, the delight that this YouTuber initially set out for everybody to experience. Now, Jesus said that these are like seeds on good ground, people who accept and affirm that Jesus is in fact the one true God, that he is the word of God made flesh. And these are people who embrace those teachings and attempt to act on what Jesus has said and imitate what he has done. And thus more people get to experience the life that he intended for them. So again, let me ask an evaluating question about where we are in our faith journey. Have you become persuaded that Jesus is the word of God made flesh who has all power and authority, whose word, whose teachings, whose way of life can be trusted for us to experience our best possible life. Have you arrived at that place in your faith journey? No judgment if you've not yet. We're just evaluating. And between you and God, in all honesty, okay, which of these scenarios that we described, which describes where you currently are in your faith journey? Which describes how you currently engage with Jesus and Jesus' spirit, the living word of God. You see, how we honestly answer those questions will help us understand why right now we might not feel like we're producing any fruit, why we don't feel delight, joy, or passion. You see, God himself, Jesus, he promised that when you and I accept and affirm, when we arrive at a place in our faith, when we accept and affirm that he is the word of God made flesh, and we allow his teachings to take root in us, to guide our lives, then we will enjoy life as intended. He promised it this way. He said, the ones who, having heard Jesus, me, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, and hold on to it, and by enduring, they produce what? Not just a single grape, a hundred fold. Anybody trying to experience a life that is fruitful a hundredfold. I mean, come on, city tribe. That is the life Jesus desires for us. It's what I desire for you, what Gideon, this whole tribe desires that we would experience what's been intended for us. Now let's pause and let's recap really quickly what we have learned. God intends for us to be fruitful. That was his original intent for us. And we learned that Jesus's earliest followers referred to him as the word. The person Jesus is the word they weren't talking about the scriptures. And we learned that we were created. We were beautifully designed in order to learn from stories, right? Our beliefs and our behaviors can 
change. And so the word of God became flesh in part that we would be able to have a story to imitate. And so to produce fruit, a life of peace and passion, promise about our futures, we must embrace Jesus, the person, be led by his spirit and his teachings. Now, practically speaking, okay, no matter where we are in our faith journey, how might we become a part of this last category? How might we become one of the people that Jesus said will produce fruit a hundredfold? Again, Jesus answered that loud and clear. Y'all, he didn't mince his words. And so let's make sure we don't mince them either. In fact, Luke painted for us a picture that, you know how like a rooster crows very loudly in the morning to wake up people and get their attention? That Jesus with a very loud, booming voice urgently sought to rouse the souls of his audience, to rouse your soul and to rouse my soul. And what Jesus next yelled for the crowd to hear is one of the many reasons that he was killed. The religious leaders in his midst would have thought to themselves, who the heck does this guy think he is? You see, what Jesus did when he yelled emphatically was that he elevated himself to have words that are weightier than even the Jewish patriarchs and the Jewish prophets like Abraham and Moses. Jesus elevated himself as the ultimate authority over even the writings of the Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament. And he essentially cried out to his audience, y'all, and he essentially cries out to you and to me saying to follow me, to follow my teachings is to listen to the very voice of God. It's to obey God's instructions. And so do as I interpret and do as I model and imitate me. Luke recorded it this way. Jesus loudly for everyone to hear said, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. Are you listening? To whom are we listening? You know, in the way that Jesus elevated himself over the Jewish patriarchs and prophets, man, we have to be, you and I, we have to be a people, a tribe who do the same. We have to elevate Jesus as our ultimate teacher, the ultimate interpreter of the scriptures, and the ultimate, the first and the last authority in our lives, even above our political ideologies, even be above our cultural customs. Like he was for the apostles and the early church fathers, the word of God made flesh, now spirit that indwells us. He must become the model that we imitate. So we have to immerse ourselves in his story and the stories that he told so that what emerges after we have immersed ourselves is the fruit that he will produce in us a hundred fold. So here's what we're going to do. Y'all home stretch. Here we go. In order that you and I might begin a path to produce peace and passion to become fruitful, this summer we are going to emphasize what Jesus just cried out like a rooster that crows. We are going to emphasize listening to the word of God made flesh in three specific ways. So here's the only thing that you need to remember about what I'm going to say is those of you who are joining us digitally, man, just make sure you save the graphic that you're going to see on our Facebook and Instagram accounts. Those of you here in person, you were given a handout and hold on to this handout over the next several weeks. We will refer back to it together. Now, first, here's what we're going to do. 
we are going to evaluate like we did just a few moments ago. I encourage you guys to get honest, honestly evaluate how you are currently engaging with the teachings of the word of God made flesh. Are you engaging? And I want you to review the questions why you might right now might not be producing peace or fruit in our lives. So discuss it with a significant other, or a trusted friend, discuss it with your tribe leaders or your tribe mates. If you don't have anybody in your network right now, go out to the prayer connect tent, message the prayer team, and let us have this conversation with you. Where are you in your faith journey? How can we help you? Secondly, we're going to engage. You know, if we're going to respond to Jesus's rooster crow, his plea for us to follow his teachings and his modeling, then we've got to get better acquainted with his story and the stories that he told. We've got to know the word of God. And so we selected seven world-shaping stories that we encourage you to, like whenever you're watching your favorite movie or reading your favorite novel, immerse yourself in them. And I know not everybody's a reader. Okay, I get that. And so you can download the YouVersion Bible app, or you can download the Bible Project app, and they will read these stories to you. There's videos on there that you could even watch, but we've got to immerse ourselves and engage and ask questions. Man, what would I do? Jesus, why did you do this? Get into his perspective. Or you could even ask the question that his own followers asked. What does this story mean? And then third, we encourage you on the second part of that graphic on the backside of y'all's handout, we're going to elevate. We are going to open up our ears in order to hear, and we're going to elevate the voice of Jesus in our lives, what he might be saying to us. And so we have written for you a prayer to begin each day with and read it out loud. Read it with your kiddos every single morning. It will take you 90 Seconds. Does anybody have 90 seconds to spare in their day to elevate the voice of Jesus, to hear what he might be trying to say? Now, we're going to practice this prayer together in a few moments when we dismiss. But y'all remember, all you need to know for these next several weeks, hold on to this handout, save those graphics. We'll refer back to them. Now, imagine, y'all, imagine what might happen if we commit to responding to Jesus's rooster crow and we listen to the word of God made flesh, now spirit indwelling us. Imagine what would happen if you honestly evaluate where you are in your faith journey, why you might not be producing fruit. Imagine if for the next several weeks that you actually engage with the teachings of Jesus and the stories that he told. Imagine if you postured yourself, prepared your ears to hear what the living word is trying to communicate to you. I believe that Jesus' spirit and his teachings, they will pierce, they will penetrate, they will permeate our hearts and our minds. And because we have a better acquaintance or familiarity with his teachings, man, when we're faced with a very difficult situation, we will know how to respond. And I believe that if you begin to Immerse yourself in Jesus' story. You will view yourself through the lens that he views you through. You will view other people through that lens. You will begin to not feel as pressed by material matters and possessions, but you will feel less stressed about finances. Y'all, I am convinced we will gain more clarity about our purpose, how we can make an impact, and we will be a source of delight for everyone we encounter. And I believe that when the seed that is Jesus, the word of the living God, takes root 
in our hearts and in our minds, we will be like that final category who produced not just a single grape, but fruit a hundredfold. We will finally experience what God intended for us and be fruitful. So here's how we're going to close out. Before you close your app or your web browser, those of you joining us digitally, go ahead and stand up wherever you are. You guys here in Cameo Theater, theater, stand up. What we're going to do together is go through this prayer that we've written out for you guys to elevate the voice of Jesus. It will be how we close, and it will be our benediction today. So would you join me? You can place your hands under your eyes like so. Father, open our eyes. Help us perceive past this physical realm to see what's eternally true. Don't let us miss your activity in our lives and in the world around us. Father, open our eyes. Now cup your hands around your ears as if you're trying to listen. Father, we open our ears to you. Drown out any distractions. Help us hear your still gentle voice. Help us pay attention with intention to what you want us to know. Father, we open our ears to you. Now, place your hands on your temples near your eyes as if you're thinking or trying to concentrate. Father, we open our minds to you today. Calm our thoughts and center us on your perspective, your priorities, your practices. Give us your counsel and help us make new connections. Father, we open our minds to you. Now place a hand over your heart. Father, we open our heart to you. Give us your passion for justice and mercy. Give us your compassion for others. Father, we open our heart to you. Now hold both hands in front of you as if you're receiving a gift. Father, we are ready to receive from you. May we close off nothing. Work in us so we will never again be the same in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said... Amen. We'll see you guys next week for part two. I love you guys. God bless. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.